Block Good afternoon, tennis fans. Welcome to the Yellow Ball Network, where you'll find your tennis news. This is your host, Coach Denise, exploring tennis blessings and its effects on life's journey. Tennis is a wonderful sport, which could be the vehicle that takes you through life's journey. And our mentors, they might provide that roadmap for your journey. On most Thursdays, I am blessed to be talking with mentors who have paved the pathway for many tennis players and coaches. Who are these mentors? Well, today we have Coach Chuck Greasy with us. Uh, Last week, the first uh, Thursday of the month, we had Dr. Alan Fox. We've also been blessed to have, and we probably will be hearing from him again soon, uh, people like Dr. Bryce Young, energy coach Linda LeClaire, Coach Ashley Hobson. We've been blessed to have him share much of his information quite often with us. Uh, coach Scott Williams, Nick Saviano, uh, Coach Ed, Ed Kras has been there. Well, you got to go on and try to name them all. That would be very hard. But we've had many high school coaches, college coaches, uh, U.S. PTA executives, PTR executives, USTA executives. They've all been on Coach Denise Sharon Tennis Blessing. Of course, the nice thing about Block Talk Radio and the Yellow Ball Network is that you can listen at any time you choose to this broadcast or any of the other broadcasts on the Yellow Ball Network, like on Wednesdays, Coach Chuck Reese. If you missed yesterday's uh, broadcast with uh, Dennis Ralston on it, wow, what a, you, you missed the broadcast. And truthfully, I didn't get to uh, listen to it until late last night. But like I said, that's the beauty of Block Talk Radio. And then, of course, on uh, Sundays, we have American ten- Tennis, I'm sorry, with uh, Coach Randy Blumenthal on. Another uh, interesting broadcast that I'm sure you're going to enjoy. And I would like to also thank the Yellow Ball CEO, J.P. Weber, for hosting our network. And if you're not following We Coach Tennis on Facebook, well, you're missing out on some useful information. And because I do believe Dr. King when he said, our lives begin to end the day we become silent about things that matter, each Thursday I will add my personal views on North American tennis. And naturally, you will hear my biased view that the tennis journey in America should be going through our high schools and colleges. Who knows, together we may wake up that sleeping giant called high school tennis. Is your high school tennis team in your community an after-school activity, or is it an after-school sport? Besides our weekly conversations, the almighty willing, you will be able to continue reading my articles in Florida Tennis Magazine. And as I previously expressed, if you disagree, please email me at coachdenise.fhstca at att.net. That's coachdenise, D-A-N-I-S-E, dot F-H-S-T-C-A at A-T-T dot net. Who knows, you may read your views in Florida Tennis Magazine or hear them on one of our Coach Denise Sharon Tennis Blessings broadcasts. It would not be the first time that's happened. I'd like to also remind you that if someone has taken the last issue of Florida Tennis Magazine from your pro shop, you can always see the last issue of the magazine by going to www.floridatennis.com. The issue is out now. I've received mine. Uh, Some great, uh, great story about the Miami Open. Uh, everybody that did get to go to Miami, I'm sorry to say Bobby and I uh, weren't able to uh, be there, seemed to be happy with what was going on and enjoyed it. 
But um, yeah, you can see it all in Florida Tennis Magazine. And, of course, in between issues, you can find Jim Mark's articles on mine and the other writers in the magazine. Uh, on Facebook, just go to uh, FL Tennis on Facebook, FL Tennis, and you will see uh, what goes on in between issues. Uh, we do try to keep you... Uh, up the best what's going on, but there's a lot of activity goes through uh, Florida and tennis, and, uh, and we try to keep up uh, with you on the Facebook side. I do think see a uh, legend on uh, uh, Coach Chuck Reese on now, uh, but if you just hang on for one minute, Coach, and let me give the audience my commentary. I'm not too old to change. I promised, uh, oh, God, it must be almost a year ago now that I would do it before rather than after. Uh, so uh, April 11th commentary. What is the most progressive and original contribution I made? Wow, great question. But I think I've answered that in numerous times over the last four years. Those of you listening to my Yellow Ball Network programs or previously read my articles in Florida Tennis Magazine have heard me explain how I considered myself as the best thief of coaching tools and utilize them whenever I can in my presentations or in my classes when doing them. I think my most original contribution might have been the last Florida High School, Florida Athletic Coaches Association High School Tennis Coaching Training Program I conducted. Uh, God, it must be two years ago now. The first day started with a panel discussion on the history of the FACA and the FHSTCA and the importance of continuing education. The panel consisted of the executive director of the FACA and three of the four Hall of Fame members of the FHSTCA. After making our presentation, we broke for dinner and returned uh, later for the one-hour question and answer session of the attendees. Yes, I said one hour. The section actually lasted over two hours, and many of us continued our conversation outside of the classroom in order for housekeeping to clean. I'm not sure if I could claim originality for that session, though, or maybe I should give credit to those decades of me attending workshops and at the end of a presentation hearing, we have time for one question. Or maybe it was those times I disappointedly read the agenda, and at the end it would say five minutes for questions on the program. Admittedly, I always read that as meaning this is our presentation, and we're not really interested in your remarks. I do need, though, to confess, too, that over the years, even though blessed with having presenters like today's uh, mentor, Coach Chuck Reese, that we were blessed to have for three uh, days as a headliner there, and the others from across the great country of ours at each of my workshops, I often thought about starting each workshop with a question from the, atten the attendees on what we should teach. Although there's some obstacles exist in doing that, I must admit, I question myself about the possibility of the success or failure of the idea and I must admit, I didn't, never did do it. I should also state that my concerns did not include our yearly presenters from across our country, like today's mentor, Coach Chuck Reese, not being able to address challenging questions, but it did include the fear of the difficulty some might have of asking questions. And it also... I was concerned about the attendees feeling vulnerable, feeling they had to do that. So that's uh, one thing I never did get across. Although much of my 20-year coaching high school tennis was about trying to influence teams 
that the best way for success is to display a willingness to be a learner, uh, that being if you were a coach, a parent, or a player. That is also one of the reasons, truthfully, I enjoy hosting Coach Denise sharing tennis lessons each Thursday. It's because I do learn something new from our mentors each week. And I think we have to go on learning. That's my advice for today, and it's your advantage. I do uh, have Coach Chuck Greasy aboard, I believe. Let me see. Coach, are you there? Coach, do I have you there? Yeah, let's give, give him a second and see. I do think I uh, have him. Coach, are you there, Coach? I'm here. Hello. Oh, okay. I thought I'd pray with it. I've invited everybody. Yeah. I've asked, Hello. Well, I've it's, asked it's, the question many times. Uh, you know, are you taking advantage of uh, coaching tennis? Uh, as you know, it's been part of my uh, training. It was part of uh, my uh, associate coaches uh I had it. It's something we live by. Uh, uh, you've heard my commentaries. Is there anything you'd like to uh, disagree with me or uh, take it to a new discussion? I should say I did hear your broadcast yesterday, and wow, uh, I reminded everybody that the great thing about Block Talk Radio is you could just tune in, hit that yellow ball going, and you can listen at any time you want to listen to it. And uh, uh, not that all your uh, uh, programs aren't worth listening to, but I really uh, enjoyed that yesterday. Thank you. Thank you, John. Thank you. I hope I'm coming in loud and clear. I got off the daggone speaker, you know. So, um, you know, John, it's something came to mind when we was listening to you, and, and, of course, you're trying to get more interest, more excitement and things um of course, for your your seminars and things, and I I thought about how difficult it is right now to create events that uh, people are excited about, and I think that's a lot of the reason why tennis people are a bit panicky and things. Uh, not as many people go to tournaments, not as many people go to social functions, not as many people, and it's sort of like with the internet and um, everything that. Um, I'm not going to name it, claim it, blame it here, but with the Internet, it's like everybody's been to the circus, everybody's been to the fair. There's there's so much information out there. I'll give you a good example of, of, of how paralyzing it is where people, uh, I guess this, this is an extreme, but we just had a road trip last week with our team, and I had a young freshman sitting in the car with me in the front seat and some of the guys in the back. Um, but the young freshman up front, I said, you know, my doggone clock there doesn't work right, and it's it's been on the wrong time for about you know the last two months, and I I can't figure <laughs> I can't figure out how to fix this thing. And I said, can you fix it? And he probably poked about five seconds, poked at it, and he goes, oh, no, no, let me look it up. And so he got on his cell phone. I said, get off the daggone cell phone. Are you kidding me? Get off the cell phone. Just figure it out. Figure it out. You know, I said, what are you thinking? What are you thinking? You get on your cell phone to see how to program this clock that I got in the car. Just figure the thing out. And, uh, you know, I it, it was pretty much indicative of what's going on with not just young people but everybody now when they want information they they just go to the cell phone they go to the computer and you know there's good things about that i mean yesterday i thank goodness for a computer i you know i've known of dennis ralston and known dennis ralston for years and years I come. I, I uh, as a kid growing up, I idolized Dennis Ralston. He was on the front of a Sports Illustrated, and to get your picture, uh, had him stretching for a ball. He was off the ground. It was a very famous picture, but it was probably 1965 or 64 in there when I just started tennis. And um, 
so the information was very we didn't get much information um we only got a magazine now and then and things or a book in the library or we would watch the best player at the park play but the bottom line yesterday when i interviewed him you know i had coached against him when he was at smu all those years and he was fantastic coach uh but yesterday I got on the internet and I looked up everything he did and I go, Whoa, I didn't realize that he won Wimbledon in doubles is seventeen year old. I didn't realize that he made fourteen Grand Slam finals. He won I think seven. No, 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 he won nine. He won four in mixed doubles, five in doubles, and he was a finalist in singles as well. I didn't realize that he was a member of the handsome eight, the eight guys that used to travel all over the world and do, do uh one day barnstorming professional events. He and Poncho Gonzalez and I think Poncho Segura and it was, I think it was, um, oh gosh, Laver and Rosewall and these guys before open tennis. I didn't realize. So the internet is, is a great device, but we are going to it. Just to answer your question here, and I didn't want to get off track of what you wanted me to talk about today, but we, all of us, have a hard time inspiring, uh, getting information to people. Uh, there's so many experts on the internet. It's not like anybody has the wow factor. <clears throat> I took a bus all the way across town, Indianapolis, way out of my way to get an autograph one time by the great Oscar Robertson. You know, um, the great Oscar Robertson was signing books or signing, um, and I had him sign my high school freshman Latin book, if you could believe that. But the point is, there's not much wow factor. So the point is, I don't know where we're going to go with, with our seminars and with the things, the ways of trying to meet people, I don't know if people are just going to be sitting at home all the time and collecting information and becoming an expert in their own world, their own arena, or, or what. But to answer your question, I know you do a wonderful job with your your high school uh, seminars there in Florida. You, you work to get um, people there and everything. But um, I know on college campuses they're laboring with, trying to get enough people to come sometimes. Um, um, this is just an offshoot. Um, the athletic director said one time, we, we're at, I'm in a middle-sized school, you know, small D1 school that's really tough, you know, as far as football and basketball and major sports to get huge crowds. But the crowd that someone, alumni, asked our AD one time, well, football costs a lot of money. And it's a big lot to put on the event. He says, why do we keep it unless it brings a lot of money in? He said, this is very, very, very observant. He goes, how else do we get 11 or 12,000 people on campus six times a year in the fall and to, and to explain our mission of what we're trying to do? And I, I thought that was a very good thing. So, you know, I, I've just uh, – that's just an observation, John. It's its a changing world, but we have to keep doing this. And I, I applaud you for continuing your program. And uh, we've got to hang in there and continue to get information out as best we can in, in, the, in the best format we can. But um, we've got to somehow inspire our youngsters to still have inquisitive minds and to be hungry and to search for knowledge and wisdom wisdom more than knowledge and um, how, and to turn them on to things that are very hard to pick up and very hard to put down, you know? So anyhow, that's my thoughts on your opening remarks there, John. Well, thank you. I, it is a, a challenge, but I think, uh, you know, my fear always has been, you know, the people getting the young coaches in there and then the coaches like you that are still active and doing. And this is why I say I appreciate the mentors so much. Is But I think we have to learn to listen, and we're not going to listen unless we hear people. I know just recently I had one of my uh, uh, our children, I should say, not mine, uh, my wife had this, more to do with it than I did, 
But uh, talking about the grandchildren, I said, I called, I didn't get no return. And uh, she, she said to me that, uh, she says, oh, he said he uh, uh, texted you. And I said, do you text me? Well, no, you don't like to be texted. That's right. I want to talk to people. I want to hear what you have to say. You know, maybe he did text me, and maybe I just threw it away. I don't know. Like I said, though, I haven't talked to him in a while, and I want to do it. I think, unfortunately, you know, and I know my generation is just a little older than yours, but I don't think we can afford to give up on that with our kids. I think we have to force them to get into conversations. I, I know what I, when I used to coach uh, high school, did the player parent meetings, they would say, you, can, you know, you can't force parents to come for three months. I don't force anybody. If they want to be on the team, this is how to be on my team. On other schools, they do it the way they want. So I don't know. Well, I think as coaches, the, the the thing is, we're not going to change what's happening with society and how it's moving. Our circle of influence is right around us. Our circle of concern may be very big. But, uh, again, I think I mentioned before, um, the coach of South Carolina talking to my team um, two years ago after we played. And, uh, you know, I had him as one of my former players, Josh Goffey. And uh, Josh talked to the guys about how one hour before matches, one hour after matches, never a cell phone in your hand. And he has his guys put his cell phones away. He said it's very important to prosold, and he called it threshold moments of learning, threshold moments of learning. And uh, i give you, you know, just a quick thing here. My son a great baseball game about a week and a half ago, but last week in an important playoff game, he laid an egg and did terrible. He was crushed. And the bottom line is he came home and I'm so glad my wife still doesn't let him have cell phones. He's 13. We do when he goes out somewhere, but the bottom line on the thing is he had to go through the being upset, the crying, the writing down stuff in his notebook, the, the up and the down feelings, the feeling of, you know, all of the emotions that he had to go through. And then, of course, I'm happy the next couple of days he's been out in the yard hitting off of a tee and practicing and practicing and practicing. I said, if you don't want to feel like this, practice harder. You know, that's it's real simple. You know, you pain is important. And I've got a few things I wanted to say that, about that, about working with young people, uh, if I can, to parents and coaches if you'd let me go through something here just a quick second um what one of the things that happens and i've I've seen it in tennis and i've seen it now of course in little league baseball and i'm seeing it in the um i'm getting the advantage of having uh my second generation of children go through i have 40 a 40 year a 42 year old 38 and a 32 year old but I was so busy in those days. I, it was a different year. I didn't pick up on it as much. But now I have a 15, 13, 11, and so they're going through these critical adolescent ages where they were children, then they go into puberty. Now they're going into young adulthood. At least my daughter is. Son's getting ready to. What happens is they hear my wife um, call me this morning, and she said he's going through this whole process of how to deal with pressure and everything, and I said, yeah, it's very natural here at 13. I said right around puberty. Up until about 10, 11, 12, if you've ever been to a Little League baseball game or something, you'll hear the parents, especially the moms, going, oh, honey, don't worry, just have fun, just have fun, just have fun, it's okay, just have fun. Win or lose, we'll go get ice cream afterwards, and, well, that's all good and well, but somewhere around puberty, right around 11 to about 12, 13, 11, 12, 13, right around puberty times, when the kids lose, they're saying, oh, wait a minute, this isn't fun, no matter what. It, in, 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 in it. This is hard. Now, boys, and, and I'm going to say something, and for coaches out there, this is not about political correctness or not. But I've coached boys, I've coached girls, I've coached men, I've coached women over my 47 years of coaching. And boys are different than girls. Girls yes. are different than boys. This is what God made. And doesn't mean better, doesn't mean worse, doesn't mean lesser, doesn't mean more, 
Doesn't mean important, not important, but women and men are different. And let me talk about the competition here. With the competition, if you take two 12- or 13-year-old boys and they're walking down a hallway and one of them jumps up to touch that beam, that rafter, the other one will try to do it again and do it better. And if one boy does one thing, the next boy tries to trump them. Competition is basically central focus in sizing things up. Yesterday, uh, my, my son is getting to help with a 10- and 11-year-old team. He's 13. It's fantastic he's getting his coaching uh, introduction right now already. But the coach was puzzled. He said, our kids are not giving their best. They're not fighting hard enough. So my wife sort of said, well, why don't you do what my husband does? He, put, he makes things competitive. So what he did was put up a whiteboard in the dugout, and he sort of started keeping score with pluses and minuses and things not regimented, but sort of ranking order to kids on things done well, effort and stuff. And he said the kids caught fire. They wanted these boys. It mattered a lot what how they did with each other and against the other and against the other team. They're confused at 11 and 12. They've been hearing, just have fun, honey, just have fun. I haven't heard a, a male coach tell the, tell a kid who would who is pressing, oh, just have fun, just have fun, get rid of the pressure. It's the worst thing you could ever tell a kid is just try to get rid of the pressure because what do you do when the pressure is there regardless? If you dare, if you care, pressure is there. Pressure is a privilege. Pressure has to become high-octane fuel for a good performance. The kids have to learn how to not just deal with the pressure, but use the pressure for their advantage. They can't run from it, but it's uncomfortable every time. So she was saying that it's made a big, big difference. But for boys, boys, if I say, hey, I can throw a ball farther than you, they're going to know you can't, and they will compete with each other. Now, girls, my daughter, listen, they – do things and they want the social part of it. The social part of it is so, so important. If you want your young daughter to play tennis, get her in a group with five or six other girls that are starting out and they'll go to town. And, you know, if you have something else that's social, that's great. And guess what? Yes, the ones that want to get good sometimes become, you know, the alpha girls have an advantage over the girls that are more passive in their personality. It's just the way that it is. Doesn't mean good, doesn't mean bad, doesn't mean better, doesn't mean worse. It is different. The motivation levels or motivation situation is is different. What I have done for years, if I work with young ladies or young men together, I will say, you are an athlete. I will treat you like an athlete. I may handle you differently, but I will treat everybody exactly the same. And the point is, is I tell young ladies, you're an athlete, but what they have to go through and process, what my daughter processes is completely different. Most of it revolves around how did I fit in with the team? Did the team appreciate me? Did they like me? With my son, it's he, he wants to get ahead of the next kid, you know, and he has his buddies, but he's got his rivals too. And, and uh, you know, I just think that's important that we don't try to think that everybody is the same, you know. So the, the one, one thing you hit upon too, and I don't want to uh, go too deep in everything here. I want to go in the direction you want. But one of the things very confusing to me, and yesterday when I had Dennis Ralston on my – American tennis program. By the way, listeners out there, can if I can do a commercial, my book, Total uh, Coaching Tennis, Total Tennis Training was my first book, but Coaching Tennis is still out there, and a lot of the stuff I'm talking about can be addressed in there. You can still go to Amazon, so I'm doing a little bit of a commercial here. But with with uh, yesterday, when um, I was talking to uh, Dennis Ralston. And I had you can go to uh, chuckcreasy.net and get the program, or you can John's probably on John's website if you want the program. But the point is, we were asking, I asked him, why are we having such a hard time 
getting people to engage against some of the things that are just flat out wrong that the USTA, the ITF, these people are doing. And uh, we basically, the conclusion is older people, we just sort of give up. And, and John, I'm so glad you're still keeping your program going. I'm going to try to keep going too. But we, we have a responsibility to share our years of experience Younger people, the real young people, the first five years on the job, they just want to fit in. They don't care about standing out. They just want to fit in, and that's disappointing. But the, the really tragedy, the real tragedy is the middle-aged people, they have a set of golden handcuffs on these days, and they basically are just trying to keep status quo. They might have a salary they're afraid of, and I understand that when you're raising a family and you're right in the thick of it. But we, we really do need people to stand up, speak out, and do things at a professional level to not allow centralized government of the USTA to just dictate everything through their pathway. I, I hate it when they call, this is the pathway, this is the pathway. Look, they can point the way and say, guys, it should be a freeway, a highway, an expressway. Go get it. We'll pant, We'll point the way. We'll point the way, but we're not going to give you an exact pathway. But we, we really do need the people out there to stand up and speak out, John. And, and be, uh, listen, the more I talk to people, I'm getting a poll on coaches right now in college. Do you know that over 90% of the coaches I poll absolutely hate no ad scoring? They hate the third set tiebreaker. The parents I talk to hate it. But most of them say the same thing. They go, oh, well, there's nothing I can do. They're forcing it to do it. It comes from USTA headquarters down there, and we got to go ahead and do it. So we got to go ahead and take our poison medicine. This castor oil we're taking is poisonous, and it's poisonous slowly, but eventually we're going to like it. And, and so we do need people to stand up and speak out there. So I'm, I'm very grateful that you're still doing this. So, John, where where do you want to go today with our discussion if I haven't used up the whole program here already? No, 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 no. we got plenty of time. I would want to make okay. one comment just so you know. I don't have a uh, website no more. My years, this is the second year I've been out of uh, running the state organization uh, for tennis. Uh, I don't regret the 20 years. I love it. Uh, but just for medical things, everything, the broadcast, I, I do want to contribute. I enjoy writing for Florida Tennis Magazine, but I am limited to how many hours I could be on the court. And uh, and my wife reminds me I've still got to do her <laughs> volunteer work for the tennis. Her honeydews. Her honeydews. Right. That's right. So, uh, you know, so I'm. I agree with what you say, but I do have a problem sometimes. People say, well, why don't you write a book on what you did in uh, high school tennis? Well, I don't. number one, I don't think there's a de- definitive answer. You have to understand who you are, and you have to keep learning. I gave up a lot of revenue uh, to coach high school tennis, and uh, I was blessed to have a wife that was bringing in a lot of revenue that I could afford to to do that, do something I love. But I, in good conscience, can't tell a young tennis pro, you know, give up those best hours at your club to go to high school tennis. I think this is, you know, we got to do it our way. But I do think we become too dependent on the USTA, the ITF, all these organizations. Uh, They're no different Mm -hmm. than... Any government organization, once they get so big, and I know I sound like a broken record, but they don't listen. Mm-hmm. They're too busy telling you what to do. No. So I think, you know, and this people like you are the special people because you're still doing what you love, but you're still sharing your knowledge. Alan Fox, I love him uh, dearly. I love that he's on the broadcast. But he doesn't have a job that he has to do and he needs a revenue for. I don't have a job that I do. The customers I have are the ones I pick. I had just yesterday on the court with a couple of high school 
people, and I, the woman went over to another lady, and she says, I can't believe that Coach Denise, he's been sick. Is there something wrong with him? And the woman said, well, you're coaching the two high school boys that I have. Then why? He says, well, when he works with the 10 and unders, he's a different people. Well, there's different levels of coaching. And this parent who loves her kid, who saw me with her kid a few years ago, still thinks that that's how this child, and there was a girl on the other court. I did see who it was. I, I'm terrible with names. I don't recognize what her name was, but I remember her being in Bobby's program. You know, at different levels, you have to know where you are, who you're coaching, and this is what I love about you is you're still in the middle of it. And yet, you know, to come and spend a couple years ago a whole weekend with us in Florida, uh, you know, you're the special people. I'm just selfishly doing something I love. John, um, it, you know, it, look, I, I get philosophical about a lot of things, but age, as you get older, it, it's ridiculous. People tell you time goes by fast. I mean, it passes faster than a weekend after 55 or so. It It is crazy. I can't remember the, the last 10 to, 10 to 15 years ago. It just it just flies. But honestly, and, and again, I'll say this to you, anybody out there listening, if you're over 55 or 60, if you're not giving away everything that you've got, it, it, first of all, you look like a burnout rock star trying for another gig. You know, if you're just trying to go out there and you've got the light shined on yourself, you know, it's, 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 it's very, very sad to see old people trying, trying to, you know, uh, hunt for, hunt for status and all those things. Um, you know, because basically you're, you're most and it's and money is the same way as you know, and I know time is much more important at this stage in life than, than right. money. The only reason money has value is because you're giving away your time. You know, how much, how much is it worth to, you know, to give away your time? It's a lot. I mean, you, you, you basically used to do things for, uh, but, it, but it's equated. Time is the most important thing as you get over 60. And we all recognize that people start getting sick, people start dying, you know, and you can't do the things you, you used to do. But the point, point is, as you look at the people that you really, really respect, for me, I, the most important people in my life always, other than my dad and mom, were, were coaches, were coaches. They were the people I respected. So I would rather, you know, coach you know, for however long I can and try to, you know, you, you, you work for, I think I've brought this up before, but you either work for financial reward, material reward, self-improvement, appreciation, association, self-improvement or service to others. And the people that are the happiest as they grow older, the people who do the service jobs, and then, of course, if you can keep learning, that keeps you going. Uh, you know, the, Clint Eastwood had this quote the other day I saw. He said, you just got to keep the old man out or the old person out. You got you to gotta <laughs> just keep doing that. So the point is, with the tennis, what we have to do with the tennis as much as we can is take care of our circle of influence, not, not our, you know, uh, not our circle of concern as much as the circle of influence. And if you have a big circle of influence, you're, you're very fortunate. But if it's those kids down the street and you teach them to honor and respect the game, and, and if you're fighting to keep traditional scoring to honor the game. And I felt something, you know, for Dennis Ralston yesterday, and I've realized this before, but he really articulated it well. He said the tragedy is that all of the work done by these generations is being minimized by all of these marketing schemes. In other words, they don't honor. They don't, they're not honoring the greatness of the, these people that came before because when you champion the weak, you weaken the real champions. 
It's like a valedictorian in 1965 at a high school was a really, really, really big thing. But if you have eight valedictorians now, none of them are really the valedictorian. Maybe one of them is, but the point is it doesn't mean anything. And and we've 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 been able to program what appears to be like achievements, and it's it's disgraceful that our governing body, the USTA, the ITA, the ITF, the, it's disgraceful when their first job should be to honor and protect the history and the heritage of our game. It, it, it's that should be their first job. Not to market like some daggone uh, cheap carnival carnival people, you know. I mean, it's it's that's just absolutely disgusting. So, uh, you know, John, about getting older and doing that. That's why I always encourage you. You've got to hang in there and do that. Everybody out there, it's hey, it's better to wear out than to rust out. And and it's you're the green and growing or ripe and rotting. <laughs> the base <laughs> you got to keep you got to keep it going, you know. And and you. Uh, well, as long as I have people like you pushing, I will. And it, the learning is a thing. And listen, I think that, you know, yesterday, and I've heard it said many ways, but and I've actually told, and, and I think I commented on a few years ago, one of the girls that I had on my high school team that talked about, well, she wanted, she thought she could play doubles in high school and eventually get up to singles and trying to explain to her, you might not have that opportunity and how it worked and, well, how it worked then with playing three doubles, uh, which is no more. But listening to you and uh, Dennis yesterday, and uh, I didn't really think about the point you made that you can uh, play a long match in college and you know you can play a bunch of them but just because the way they change the system you could never have you could wind up with not having a record because your match doesn't count i mean how who thinks of that who you know it's marketing people it's people that are not in they're into entertainment not education Think of a carnival or a uh, fair, your state fair. Are are you there for education or just cheap entertainment? Well, you know, again, the marketeers, we have the wrong people making these decisions. They're not trying to protect the history and the heritage of the game. Look, no one owns the sport of tennis. No one owns it. USTA doesn't own it. ITA doesn't own it. The ITA does not care about the 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 traditions of the game and they don't care whether or not college tennis is a great educational tool they have put forward the most ridiculous format they play no ad doubles one set if a team clinches two they stop they stop we were getting ready to serve for the match against a top 25 team and one of our doubles but we had lost the other two this year and they stopped the match so their guys didn't have to take a loss. I mean, and then, then not just that. That was a pivotal time for, for my guys. And then in singles, you might be – you have players like the great Mitchell Frank, one of the greatest, uh, consistent, most consistent players we've had in college tennis the last 10 years. He went undefeated for two years in college tennis. Stevie Johnson, their matches lasted a long time. But with the rules the way they are, if a guy is losing to them, you might have been on a court for two hours, and you're losing a set and a breakdown, you can walk away if the team match has been clinched. Now, how does that make any sense at all? How in the world – listen, the ITA is just their, – their, their board of directors has 13 marketing people and only four or five coaches on it. It's it's absolutely terrible. It's embarrassing. But the point, what they do is so terrible. We've had over 400 college teams dropped. Okay? We American players forget it about going to college now. I hate to tell people out there that. But college is 75 to 80% international players. What? Oh, by the way, there's no, there's no scholarship for you out there. By the way, you're only allowed to practice minimum maximum of four hours a day at 20 hours. Are you kidding me? You only allowed 25 matches a year. Are you kidding me? My assistant coach is coach juniors that play over, over a hundred matches, 12 year olds. 
that have played over 100 matches in a year, and college players getting to play 25. So the dumb down, it's a, it's it's dumb, and it's being done by people who don't even care, and about well they think they're smart and they understand it, and but here's here's the point that I I made. One of the guys in there is you know he has background is in music, you know he's in he was in music above all things. He hadn't even ever been a coach, hadn't been a player. He doesn't know, doesn't know the ins and outs of doing it. So I was in a meeting and I said, so-and-so, I said, you're in the music. Could you ever imagine if your students came in and they wanted to learn about Beethoven, Bach, Mozart, Handel, Tchaikovsky, and then you come in and you say, no, 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 we're going to market this to where it's more fun and maybe more people come to our concerts. We're not going to teach you those guys. We're, gonna, we're just going to... We're just going to do rap music because that's what's popular now. Or we're just going to do rock and roll. Or we're just going to do, uh, you know, we're just going to do some light jazz, okay? And that's all we're going to – are you kidding me? So if I take that extreme and compare it to tennis, I think that's a very, very good comparison because that's what we've done to tennis. We've diluted it, polluted it, and we're prostituting it. We've diluted, polluted, and prostituted one of the greatest sports in the world. That all being said, yes, we all have a duty to stand up, to address issues, not people. I'm not going to talk about people's names on here, but to address issues and to stand up and speak out and turn this thing. But, folks, we need you out there. We need the old people to don't let the old man or the old woman in there. Come on. You've got the wisdom. You don't have to pack it in. Hey, I don't care if people listen to you or not. We need to hear your wisdom. It matters at a Thanksgiving dinner if Grandpa's sitting down there and he hadn't said three words and he said stands up and makes a one-sentence statement, you remember it the rest of your life. So believe me, the older people after 60 have the wisdom. They need to stand up and speak out. Young people, if you don't stand out right now instead of just trying to fit in, just trying to fit in, if you don't start standing out now, it's not like you're going to get to be 35 or 40 and say, you know what, I'm going to start taking a stand for things. It is too late. You will have that pattern and that habit of just fitting in, fitting in, and fitting in. And then those of you, and I know exactly, you got three kids. They're 12, 10, and 8. You're making a pretty good living. You don't want to rock the boat. I'd, the worst thing you can do is hide and be wimpy. There's three things. You're wimpy and you just hide. You're a jerk and you address it the wrong way. That's the wrong way. But stand up and do the right thing is is to be strong, be noble, address issues, stay professional, address issues, not people. And listen, that that is what becomes a leader. That is a leader. So I know how it is. Listen, middle-aged, I didn't want to make any mistakes. I... I <laughs> I needed to get my kids raised and everything. I, I know what the middle-aged handcuffs are. But, John, it, it's, uh, it's, it's really, really bad. Our USTA, too, is a – if you ever try to find out who's in charge, who's making these decisions, who's really – we need – we need uh, uh, Dennis Ralston said it very well yesterday. He said we need a commissioner of the USTA. We need a commissioner – that is outside all of the handcuffs and all of the barriers of bureaucracy that the USDA like has there. And they need to have somebody that's independent. You know, I'd, I'd like to nominate first commissioner of the USDA. He probably wouldn't want me to. Is Wayne Bryan out there. Wayne Bryan, is, he will no, stand he up and good. speak out, and he'll, he'll say the things that need to be said. Who is more uh, a person like a Pat Harrison Who's done a better job with their kids than Wayne Bryan or Pat Harrison with, with his children, with, with Ryan and Christian, you know, with those boys? And who's done a better job? But we need a commissioner that is outside of the politics and doesn't get his paycheck based on who sides with him or who doesn't side with him. Because right now there is a deep state that runs tennis. There is a deep state. I know the people. I know about 10 of them are in there. But the bottom line, where these ideas come and they're end game, all I can think, and I'm sadly have revealed that there is a big, big power of money 
for abbreviating things. There's a big power money for abbreviating, shortening things. We know the reason why. More. We do know the reason why. And mm-hmm. I'll say it's in a, it's in a article out there. If you look, the ITF folk look up the article. The ITFs deal with the devil, or look up online uh, ITF gambling and uh, an interview with the ITF director. You read about it and see what is behind. They do not want consistency. They do not want long matches. They do not want those things of education that really, really matter. They want the things that will sell well at a carnival level instead of a historic level. We must stand up for our – folks, we must stand up for our sport right now because if we don't, it's going to be done. It's going to be well, done. And once you lose the Dennis Rawson and people. Yeah. I think we have a perfect example of that right now. And, I, you know, I asked today, and I've been asking it, well, before I came on for at least 10 or 15 years, uh, well, high school uh, tennis is it an activity or a sport. And this issue of Florida tennis was just came out. My part three of my article addressing the lack of American uh, college players. I talk about two girls that Bobby and I went to. Neither of them played high school tennis. One going to LSU. One is going directly pro. Needless to say, in the exhibition, the one going pro won easily. Uh, the, the LSU girl only won one uh, game off of uh, her. Uh, but I think we're at that point now in college tennis. People just are going to be going, never mind not going to high school tennis, they're not going to go to college tennis if it's not relevant. So we're, it's <laughs> well, not going to be that many years away from us. And I think uh, I apologize to you because I did want to get into uh, Chapter 12 because uh, I always thought that was the best chapter, how you talked about using the power of momentum to control the match. But somehow we got to get – and I think that relates it indirectly what we talked about. We did, I apologize for not letting you get into your <laughs> discussion. And, no, no, I – Took you off, but I, uh, we got it. We will get into that maybe the next time, hopefully. But it just uh, this actually does relate to that. I mean, if we just would listen and think about it. Well, John, the momentum control is big. It's chapter twelve in my book, and it's the only writing and the only research and study that's ever been done on the controlling of that invisible force we all call momentum. Everybody understands the word momentum. They know, they think they understand what it is. They know when the momentum is going against them. They know when it's going for them. It's like an invisible invisible force. But I have worked on it since 1979, and I've talked about it pretty much around the world in different seminars. But I have the only writing on it. It's uh, chapter and 12 unfortunately, of book, we're not going to be able to get into it in the next uh, six minutes before <clears> we go <throat> off the air, unfortunately, but hopefully the next time. So, Coach, what, I'm going to give you the last six uh, minutes and talk about what you want, and hopefully we'll get into the topic next time. I will remind everybody that another author will be on next week, Coach Scott Williams, uh, worked on the ATP tour, coaching in high school. There are people that do both, uh, another person that gives back. So, uh, Coach, why don't uh, – I'm going to let you go off. You have uh, almost six minutes left, and it's not enough time to do uh, justice to Chapter 12, so you talk about what you sure. want. Sure. Well, I, I'd like to just say that a couple things. First of all, High school tennis is the sleeping giant of tennis, along with small-town tennis. Um, As I've mentioned, high school tennis, we have nearly 400,000 people playing high school tennis that are on teams, but we only have 24,000 competitors. That's only six out of 100. And and there's reasons for that, and there's solutions to that. But what a sleeping giant is already in place. College tennis is becoming a... a, um, a um, after-school activity. It, it, it really is. 
with uh, our leadership has got to stand up and our leadership has, has got to um, really do the right thing. And, and we need people who are coaches to just really protect the history and the heritage because there's not going to be anything left. You've got a carnival and it leaves town. There's nothing there for the rest of the year. And uh, so college tennis is quickly becoming that. Small town tennis, USA, towns less than 50,000 people. Let me tell you what you need to do. You need to go to a college within 100 miles of your town and ask the coach, anybody here interested in working our community center and teaching kids tennis this summer, and get the one guy who's playing number seven or number eight or six, and they're not going to play tournaments all summer. Give them a couple hundred bucks a week. You know, certify them through the PTR. That's the easiest one to do. And that way you got insurance, and you've got insurance for them and you. And you you basically put somebody in that position and cut them loose and say, hey, listen, we need you to create energy here. And that's the way we get great teaching pros, and we also will get kids in these small towns playing sports other than football, basketball, and baseball. We need things for kids between 20 and 35 to play. During college, the summers are ridiculous how bad they are. All they have is these ITA tournaments. No ad scoring, tiebreaker at third. They're laughable. They're not consistent. There's no rite of passage. When you win a no ad set or a abbreviated set, there's no rite of passage. When you win and go forward, it doesn't mean anything. And I don't want to get off on this tangent, but my good friend Randy Blumendahl said to me two weeks ago, he said, have you ever thought about how kids get better? And think this, folks, this is great. I've talked 40, taught 47 years, and he told me something that's just brilliant. He said, at first you learn how to extend your rallies. Then you learn to extend your points. Then you learn to extend the games. Then you learn to extend the sets, go deep into the set. Then you learn to extend matches, more three-set matches. Then you learn to extend the tournaments where you go to the semis and the finals of some tournaments before you win. Then you learn to put tournaments together and extend your season. Then you learn to extend your career, and that leads to a legacy. So the point is, he says, the ludicrousy or the non-thinking and, and the bastardization and the of these abbreviated scoring is that you take out that element of extending. You never learn to extend the game and the points also because there is a liability to keeping the ball in the court. Tennis, no ad tennis makes people slap shot artists and it, it really kills the, the, the TKO people. So we need that. And we, and we need, Listen, we, we need very, very badly stuff for kids 20 to 35 to do. We need stuff for older people, uh, whether we make the court smaller. One-on-one uh, -on -one doubles, Ed Crass's stuff is great. But we need, we need all of you out there, folks, to – we need you to stand up, speak out, create relationships. Think about since the cell phones, we've never had more, more communication but such few relationships, and we have – very few people thinking to the level of, of, of searching for the answers and developing inquisitive minds. We too often are doing cell phone convenience, but try to develop relationships with youngsters. And I wanted to just bring out this last point. Dennis Ralston yesterday told a story, and he said at age 10 years old, his parents put him on a bus at Bakersfield, California, he rode two and a half hours to downtown Los Angeles on a bus by himself at 10 years old. He got off the bus, got on a local bus, went to the L.A. Tennis Club. At the L.A. Tennis Club, he says, I'm Dennis Ralston. I'm here, and Mr. So-and-so set this up for me to come here. And he did it all by himself. It took him all day, and he went there and played, and he, that's where he got a lot of coaching from Pancho Gonzalez and I think Segura helped him and stuff. But what we're not doing, we, we, we have a crazy society now. And, yeah, you can't do that with your children. But the bottom line is relationships is what it's all about. We need every one of you listening to this broadcast to get out and help Coach, kids. We need you to thank you for letting me talk. Coach, thank you for taking the time to be on the thank broadcast. You. I suggest thank you, John. everybody I appreciate that it. you listen to yesterday's broadcast, too. Paul, <laughs> to put up with me, and it's important. 
And the almighty Willen will be talking to Coach uh, Scott Williams next week. Have a blessed week, everybody. Tell your friends the great thing. Thank you, Coach. Hey, don't let the old age. John, don't let the